You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Powered by the ADHD coin, here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And you know, one of the, the beauties of that you know, wild year that was season one was that I got to experiment and you know mint NFTs on new blockchain, new marketplaces. I got to buy a lot of NFTs on more marketplaces than probably anyone um, in this entire space uh, has. But the interesting thing about that is and maybe maybe we know that maybe we don't buying nfts versus selling nft art marketplaces not the same thing and actually requires different research different thoughts different understandings of some of the nuances of the space and you know i've been now you know uh, considering myself an ai artist uh for the last uh 7 months or so and you know i've actually launched uh, nfts in the AI art form on actually four different marketplaces. But funny enough to figure out which marketplace was kind of the best for the collection that I wanted to drop was actually more difficult than I expected it to be. It actually a little bit more, and, and difficult might not be the right word, more complex. Now you might be thinking, Brian, I don't plan on selling my own art. Um, so should I listen to this episode? Yes. And the reason you should listen to this episode is that this also will go into understanding why certain people are using certain marketplaces, but better yet, if you're someone that likes one-of-one -one collections, I'm going to tell you some of the things that you can think about there. If you're someone that loves the idea of open editions, right, lower, uh, usually lower uh, entry point open edition um, art pieces, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. If you want to understand a little bit better of like what's the difference between a limited time drop and uh, a full-time drop, these different pieces, because Here's the truth is that as much as I love the PFP project world, we also know that, you know, art has been really stand, the standout uh, of the last two years as far as holding value. But we also know these worlds are very much colliding between the, the PFP world and the art world uh, of NFTs. And so on this episode, I'm actually break down not only the four marketplaces that I've used and I've sold NFTs on, but I, uh, and I've actually sold NFTs on more marketplaces, but I'm talking about the AI art ones, but I'm also going to kind of break down some of the, the, the mindset approach. And so here's some caveats. I'm focusing on Ethereum, right? So I am not an Ethereum maxi. I, I don't think uh, Ethereum is end all be all. And I'm not like just stuck on that one chain, but I will say from an art perspective, other minus Tezos, which is a, is, I will talk a little bit about that here. Um, later on the podcast, for the most part, it's where not only I've bought a majority of the art, but I know where my my audience and my attention has been. But there are some great art marketplaces for Polygon. There's some art, great art marketplaces for Tezos. There's some great ones for um, Solana. But the, the truth of the matter is, for me, you're going to just hear on this episode, it was already complex enough for me to research the different nuanced marketplaces that exist 
um, in the Ethereum kind of art world. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to kind of dive down that rabbit hole as well because that's just kind of kind of what I do. The other thing I just want to be very clear on: this isn't just for AI art. This is for anyone that is collecting or, or buying or selling any art. And the other piece of this that's really interesting is that these marketplaces are also adapting to market conditions. And I would say more so than anything else, these marketplaces, and this is a good thing, are driven by competition. Now, the bad part of that is some of the marketplaces a year ago were created and had like one primary functionality or value proposition. Well, as the market thinned out last year, as we, of course, went through this bear market, it was kind of, you know, you know, kind of a fight to survive where marketplaces that maybe only did uh, selective, you know, content creators to drop art had to open up their doors a little bit more, right? Because maybe those art artists kind of disappeared from the space. Maybe because there's less people buying, they had to increase the, the supply, right? These are our, our normal things that we just uh, have to take into account. So with all that being said, it doesn't matter if you're a collector investor or you're your own um, art creator. Um, this is uh, this episode should be for you. And I'm, I will just tell you, I'm also creating a YouTube video where I'm gonna kind of screen share a little bit and, and I have some some things on the screen. I, I'm, I'm making sure that this is still great for, for audio uh, purposes as well, but I wanted to add you know, some some visuals as well, just to kind of walk through some of these uh, kind of nuanced uh, approaches. And and so one of the things that I just want to kind of clarify, right, there, there are a lot of art marketplaces, but then there are a lot of marketplaces to buy, sell, and trade NFTs. Now, the difference being, you know, some marketplaces are simply for buying and buying, buying and selling and trading. You cannot actually list your NFT is there, right? So you can't do an NFT drop on that actual marketplace. Now, other marketplaces have a drop mechanism. Think of OpenSea, for example, right? I dropped NFTs um, on OpenSea a little over a year ago. Now, they, at the time, required you to use what they referred to as a lazy minting process that was in their own um, kind of their own structure. So you're going to hear, you, you might have heard of ones like OpenSea, Artblocks, Rarible, Mintable, Manifold, Marketplace, right? Makerplace. These are all what I would, you know, they, they do have some ability for you to launch your own NFT on their platform. But if you think about it, they're much more in the Amazon, eBay, uh, Craigslist um, arena, right? Where they're, they're, they have audience and they're allowing you to list, buy, sell. Now, the beauty of most of these from OpenSea to Rarible to Mintable to, to, to Makerplace, most of these will allow you to buy, sell, and list, and, and like trade your, uh, your NFTs that you drop on a different marketplace. So I know that can be a little confusing. It was a little confusing for me, um, but the, the art marketplaces that I kind of like dove deep into uh, and really kind of focused uh, a lot of my attention on uh, were, were ones that, you know, I'll just kind of explain that, you know, Super Rare, which is probably one of the more popular ones, um, which you have to apply to be um, a creator on that uh, on that marketplace, I will say I, I applied. I was, you know, accepted. We're just waiting to launch one there, so I haven't actually launched on Super Rare yet. But I'll talk a little bit about Super Rare. Um, Known Origin is one that um, is, you know, I'll, I'll kind of break down that one as well. We've we've listed uh, the Shades of ADHD collection is there. Nifty Gateway, which is probably the one you've heard me talk about the most on the podcast, which happens to be the first marketplace that I ever launched an NFT on from an art perspective. Um, and they actually 
added me as a curator. And I'm actually, if you stay to the end, I'm actually talking to you a little bit about how if, if you want to get your art launched and you're like, hey, I don't know how to do it or I, I don't know if a marketplace is right or I might, I'm going to give you an opportunity to apply to actually list one of your NFTs on our marketplace. We have a couple artists in our community that you're going to hear of very soon here on the podcast um, that, are, that are actually launching on our marketplace on Nifty Gateway. And then there's Foundation, which of course is another AI art place. And then Zora, Zora is, a, is another one. So those are kind of the ones I'm gonna kind of break down. But before I get into this um, marketplace conversation, the, the part of the, the weird elements of this space is that there's something really cool that we can learn just about everything, right? Because we're all learning together. And I will tell you, um, shout out to the artists that I follow and I'm connected with because They've, they've really welcomed me um, with open arms. They've helped me kind of see the light. I've sent some messages to a couple of them, like, why don't you list your NFTs on this marketplace? And they'll explain why. And some of it, it's like, they're like, Brian, I just picked one and went with it. I was tired of looking, right? So just think, that's a good caveat for this. For other artists, they are like, Brian, I don't want to deal with smart contracts and you know what type of marketplace and all that stuff. I just want to do what I love and love what I do. And that's creating art. And so in those cases, they teamed up with business leaders or advisors like myself, where we can help build the strategy, the marketing strategy, the go-to-market strategy, the community strategy, and the artists can focus more on creating the art. And actually, you're going to hear a, a, an episode of the podcast uh, next week where we actually have a great example of that, right? Where, where Jeff, who's going to join the podcast, is actually going to talk about how he found Ryan, who is an artist, and he said, hey, let's launch an NFT project together. And then they came to us and said, hey, Brian, we want to do that under your marketplace on Nifty Gateway. And we go into depth um, on, and we have a really powerful story from Ryan, the artist. But if you're in that boat, right, maybe you're trying to figure out what your role is here in the Web3 NFT world. Maybe it's working with artists to help them bring their art to life um, in the NFT space. So I just want to caveat that because, you know, I have I believe I have the rare, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a unicorn in, in this space. For, for multiple reasons, right? Partially multi-hyphenated multi ADHD, uh, you know, I'm an early adopter, digital futurist, but there aren't very many, if any, people in this space that are an NFT collector, an NFT investor, an NFT flipper, an NFT content creator, an NFT founder, an NFT AI artist, an NFT curator, um, and that I find myself in that role. And so it gives me um, I believe a, a breadth of information and experience so that hopefully I can bring that to life here um, for you on the podcast. But think about that because I, I don't want, you know, this will overwhelm some. For others, what you're going to wait to hear is just like one certain thing about a marketplace. And you're like, that's the marketplace that I want to check out. The beauty of this is that you can actually go experience, you don't have to buy one of my NFTs. I would love it if you bought one of my NFTs, but you can actually go look at my collections and you're going to notice the nuances on each of these four different marketplaces that I've launched on. And it'll kind of give you an idea of how kind of how this uh, kind of all falls together. So with that being said, we now need to get into, well, the questions, the questions that need to be asked. And what I mean by questions is that before you think about the marketplace, I have five questions for you, five questions for you. And these questions are very important in the sense of it's going to help you simplify which of these marketplaces make sense. Because if you are hell bent on one of the answers of these questions, it's going to rule out some of the other marketplaces. And 
in some cases, I think that's a good thing. For me, I, I went into it like, I don't know what format I want to sell. I don't know how many I want to sell. I don't know how much I want to price them for, right? And I was very like um, innocent or naive or curious. You guys can pick which of those three um, I actually was in that case. But question number one, you want to start thinking, you want to think about what format is your art in? What I mean by that is, is it a still image? It is a 3D image? Is it is a video? It is a, is it a 3D graphic, right? It's where it's a GLB file. The, the file type, as well as the format, it's going to, it's going to tell you a couple things. First of all, there are some marketplaces that just don't support certain types of content. And whenever we launched our NFTs a year ago, we launched, we had a 3D graphic that was actually made by uh, Kevin Sturmer, who's the voice of the podcast. Shout out to you, Kevin, for creating such an awesome piece of art for our founders and our super fans holders, our super powered holders here at the podcast. But when we launched that, the file format, because it was a 3D um, interactive uh, graphic, was .glb. And I will tell you, we went and looked, and there were multiple marketplaces that did not support that type of, of file format. And so we had to make the we had to make the decision. Um, Without the time, we, we we went with the decision was do we we keep this file format because it's important to us, and then we just launch on one of these other marketplaces, or we change up the file format and we give people downloadable content where they can download the 3D, right? So that's something that you want to you want to kind of factor in there. The other part of this is maybe all of the marketplaces you're looking at support this file structure, but which of them has an audience that actually buys that, right? Like I, I'm a big fan of twofold, right? I want to know, do people on this marketplace, are, are they used to buying animated GIFs or is it an option, but pretty much no one uses it? Or is everybody there only posting animated, uh, animated content, right? Animated videos, because there's, you know, an argument for, I like to stand out, right? If everybody is zigging, I like to zag. But if everyone's zigging and I can bring my zag in there and I can stand out because I'm the only one dropping content in this different file format or this different structure, it might actually give you an edge in that marketplace on that platform to stand out from the noise. Question number two, which funny enough is a more difficult one than you might, um, might think it would be. Question number two is how many of your pieces do you want to sell? And I'm gonna caveat this is, there's a difference between this question and question three. Question three is how do you want to sell and what type are, of, of sell, selling kind of structure are you doing? But first thing you wanna think about is how many pieces do you want to sell? Now this can vary on what we're thinking about, right? So you can do a one of one piece where there's only one of them and there's only one of the drop, right? But you could do a drop of multiple one of one pieces. Oh, see where I'm going there? Or you could say, you know what, Brian, I don't know how many I wanna sell, but I wanna sell them for 48 hours. And however many are sold in the first 48 hours, that's how many I sell. Or you could be like me when I started out, I started to think about my audience and I was like, you know what? My goal is to sell out, but my goal is also, you know, to add some bit of exclusivity to this collection. And so I went with a number that was, in our brand, right? We launched our podcast on 11, 11, 21. We finished season one on 11, 11, 22. And so when I was deciding to drop the, the mint uh, 12 time capsule uh, NFTs, guess how many I, I did in the collection? I'll let you think on it for a second. 11. So what I did was I did 11 of drop one, 
11 of drop two, 11 of, and, and guess how many collections I had? 11. <laughs> and then I, I airdropped the 12th one uh, to anyone that, or I allowed them to claim uh, the 12th one, which we'll talk a little bit about, about that from a strategy as well. So how many pieces you want to sell is an important question. Now, what I found is when you might answer this question and then later on either regret it or want to change it, the truth of the matter is you just have to be very communicative and transparent on that. I I believe I've made that mistake, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my mistakes um, at the end here so that you guys can kind of see that as well. Number three, as I said, was how do you want to sell or what type of drop are you doing? So there's a lot of different types of, of ways to kind of put your art out there. What you can do is you can just list your art. There doesn't have to be this like big ceremony and marketing and sales and everything else that goes in it. Or you could consider a drop, which a drop in this world is that, hey, on this time, at this date, on this date, at this time, these certain NFTs, right, these series of NFTs or, or this one NFT will be available to purchase at this time. Now, that there's some benefits and advantages to that, right? Um, one of them is you build up anticipation. Um, the other one is you can add um, some different layers, right? So you can say, this drop is going to open to my existing holders on Friday for 24 hours. After 24 hours, the drop is going to open to the public. That's a pretty cool benefit. Now, you can't do that necessarily with a just random drop, right? Because, you know, people aren't going to know what is what. There's a lot of like that kind of miscommunication. And then you also want to think about it is like, you know, is it is it something that I want to do for a limited time? Or do I just want my pieces to be out there? And if they sell, they sell. Um, one of the things that I did reach out to one of uh, my good artist friends, uh, and I didn't ask for his permission to share this, so I'm not going to put his name um, on it. But I asked him, like, how does he approach NFTs that are out there? And let's say he dropped 20 of them um, and only three of them were bought in the first month. Um, his approach is he's like, I put a burn. I want to burn the rest of the supply because I want to reward those three people. But then he caveated it and said, there's three other artists that's in his inner circle and they don't burn anything. They're like, you know what? There'll be more buyers down the road. And that means there's 17 more available in that collection for people to buy. So those are some things that you can think about. That is also important if you are a buyer or an investor and you're listening to this, right? Because you want to know how many are in this total collection? How many is, you know, because rarity does matter in art, right? If, if it's unlimited, right, they're going to continue, um, you know, of this one piece. It's a lot different than a one-of-one -one art piece, right? And, and I have pieces right now for sale, if you're listening to this. I have one-of-one -one pieces where there are only one of them. I have pieces that there are only 11 in a, in a certain collection. And then I have a couple other ones that have more of a supply in a collection. But the ones with more of a supply, I'm actually adding additional kind of utility to it. So although it might be less rare to hold it, you might actually get more benefits from it, right? So that, those are some things that, that you want to think about. Number four. Um, number four is who is your target audience? Now, this is an important one because the truth of the matter is buying art as NFTs, this might come as a surprise, is not for everybody. And it's right now hard to sell NFTs in general. But if you have a niche or your style is already very like dialed in, like I know my style. I am very neon, very vi you know, vivid colors. Um, I, I like being um, a little bit, uh, let's just say, um, outlandish isn't the right. I like to be bold, right? I'm bold and I like, I like bright neon colors. I also seem to like a contrast in backgrounds. 
So I know that my art is not for everyone to begin with. But if you are someone that is not only that, but maybe cubism is your style, or maybe your style requires someone to understand your backstory. These are all things that you want to think about with your target audience, because that's also going to determine where you, where you launch, but also how you launch. Because I will tell you, just because, you know, I have a large audience, right? I have a large, we have, you know, million plus, couple million downloads here on the podcast. I have hundreds of thousands of followers uh, on social media. But a lot of people in my audience, first of all, are not into Web3. Second of all, they don't buy NFT art. Third of all, they don't think of me as an NFT artist. So there's a lot of like barriers to that. So I, I had to really dial in my thinking of who is my audience. And then here's the part that you really want to think about. If your existing audience isn't who you want to reach, now you need to backtrack to the marketplace and think about what audience is there. And then here's probably the most important part. How would that audience find out that your art is listed? Because I have made this mistake. This is one of the biggest mistakes I made was I realized that this platform was where I wanted to drop my art on. I thought it was a great plot. I love the platform. But what I didn't take into account is that people can't follow me on that platform. You can't sign up to get notifications every time I drop a piece of art. You also can't follow any, anyone else. So the only way on that certain marketplace that you can get discovered is if someone sees my content on social or if they're going and searching kind of the, the, feed, the built-in feed um, that is on the platform or you're looking at the trending artist lists. Now, the difference between that is another platform that I launched a collection on, you can click my name as an artist and click follow. And every time I list an NFT or an art piece for sale, it'll email you. But it won't email you every time every artist. And you don't have to follow me on social. You don't have to go onto the, the marketplace and scroll. But there's also benefits and, and downsides of that. The other thing to think about is how good are these marketplaces at promoting existing artists that aren't famous? And I will tell you, most of them aren't very good at this. Most of them play, play to the big names. I know what's funny about that. The big names don't need their help. The big names that most of these marketplaces love to promote don't need their help. And if the marketplaces were asking me for advice, and I would love any of the marketplaces that are listening to this podcast, you want to reach out, you want to sponsor, you want to collaborate, you want to hire me to help consult. You know, I have some great ideas as far as some strategies that we can do to not only market and sell, but to upsell and create a, a community component in here, right? And you know, that is just something that I think is, is important. Now, the last part of this when a target audience is a couple of the marketplaces also, they will actually give a percentage to you as a collector for sharing that art and having someone buy it. So think of it like affiliate marketing without having to be an affiliate. So all you do is you connect your wallet and you say share on that piece of art. And it'll pop up and say, do you want to share? Do you want to get 1% if someone buys with your link? I think that's a pretty cool uh, benefit that some of the marketplaces are rolling out. And that's something that we'll kind of uh, think about. And then question number five, what you need to think about here is I call it test, test plus tweak. And then, or do you just go all in? And what I mean by that is I'm going to guess most people launching art for the first time are going to pick the wrong marketplace. Right. And, and I will say I got lucky. Um, Nifty Gateway, big shout out to them. 
they reached out to me to be a curator when I wasn't an artist. And I don't believe there's anyone else out there right now that is a curator on an art marketplace that didn't consider themselves an artist. They, they reached out to me because they looked at me as an authority in the space and my knowledge of buying NFTs and, and all the people I've had on the podcast. And so I will say Nifty Gateway kind of gave me uh, a shortcut. I, I was like, well, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch there first. And I will tell you, a couple of the benefits that Nifty Gateway presented to me, I didn't realize were benefits until I launched my second and my third collection on other marketplaces. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize how much of a benefit that was for my audience. So much so that someone posted on my Facebook today uh, and asked me a question and they said, Brian, I want to buy your art. There's two pieces I want to buy, but, and then I'll explain to you in a minute what that means. But the reason question number five that I say is test plus tweak or go all in is you have to kind of just decide, do you want to launch one collection here, one piece here, one piece here, figure out what's best and then focus all of your attention on one, which you can, or you can kind of just say from the very beginning, I'm just going to pick this one and make it my own and I'm just going to kind of evolve. So those are kind of the five questions that I want you to think about as we're kind of going through, you know, um, this whole piece, right? So I mentioned like the format matters. Um, I mentioned the, the idea of like, where and, and, and how this all comes together. The other thing that you want to take into account is where you actually can or want to sell your NFTs. Because the truth of the matter is some market some marketplaces what make you apply to be a creator. Some marketplaces don't even have applications open. They're like, hey, we already got our people. Some marketplaces like Nifty Gateway says you have to reach out to a curator and work with one of the curators. You can't just launch. And then there are other ones that say, I don't care who you are or what you're about. Anyone can post their NFTs and launch on our, on our platform. So that's just something to keep in mind. Although we are we promote decentralization, there is some exclusivity that is built in, especially to the art market, because this is what I want you to think about. Does Christie's let anybody list their art there? No. Does the reason Christie is not letting anyone list their art there uh, prevent the undiscovered artist from being discovered? Maybe, maybe, maybe we could actually take, maybe we could all agree that part of the beauty of NFTs art is that it's allowing more of us to market and sell and it's not as much gatekeeping, but there is something to be said. And I've talked to, I've talked to a uh, NFT uh, investor, uh, art collector who owns a couple of my pieces. And I asked him a simple question. I said, does exclusivity of the platform matter to you? And his immediate answer was yes. And he said, it's simple. The reason that he did is he's like, if that marketplace picked them to sell there, then he, he believes the likelihood of them being around, the likelihood of them being at a certain like kind of like stature or level is actually kind of implied. Now, he also said he's realized that he's found other artists other places that he didn't realize was kind of limiting his uh, kind of exposure um, as a whole. So just something to keep in mind, something to think about. So the, the piece of this that you want to think about is, you know, is it, a, is it an application-based? Is it curated-based? Or is it an open marketplace that allows anybody to, um, to post? So super rare, known origin, they require you to apply. Um, and applications, they do 500 applications over a certain period of time. I will tell you, um, I got rejected the very first time um, I applied, so don't get uh, you know upset if you're rejected. Just apply the next time. The second time I applied, um, I was accepted. Um, Nifty Gateway is more of a curator 
uh, type style. The beauty of it is you can actually apply to be a curator of art on the platform. Um, so if you want to be a curator, like what I'm doing on Nifty Gateway, you can actually apply to do that as well. They didn't have that uh, before they recently opened that up. And then Foundation, Zora, and OpenSea and Manifold, they allow anyone. All you do is connect your wallet, it creates a free account, and then you can um, you can list uh, your NFTs for sale. So those are just a couple of those to think about in that um, in that realm. Now back to this conversation on how many pieces and what type of drop do you want to do? Now the number of things that I could talk about on this section are vast, but we're already how many minutes into this podcast, and I'm like, all right, let's get to the let's get to the a couple of the other pieces. But what I want you to think about is this also has to do with not only supply and demand, but it has to do with marketing. But I want you to think about this as well. Think about the secondary market a year from now, five years from now. And what I mean by that is some marketplaces, when you list there, they control the contract. Because they control the contract, you get some really cool benefits. There's some things you don't have to deal with. There's some things you don't have to think about. The downside of that is that you don't have your own collection page on OpenSea because they're all listed under the same contract under the same uh, marketplace. You also have to think about it from someone that maybe didn't buy the, the, the NFTs at the very beginning. How are they going to know that this was a limited edition drop? How are they going to know what your story is? I will tell you some marketplaces do a great job of marketing the drop, but then after they're sold, what the NFT looks like and what that story is, is very limited. And someone wouldn't know that this was your first collection and all the things that go on there. So that's something to think about. The other part about it is the type of claims or the type of um, ways that you wanna bring your art to life. So you can you know, do a scheduled uh, you know, uh, drop of your AI, uh, your AI art. You can do an auction or you can do buy now. I'm gonna tell you, I've learned the hard way about auctions. I like, I like the idea of an auction because you can list it lower and it takes a little pressure off of you as an artist for having to pick the price. But most of the marketplaces that allow you to do auctions, they put a minimum price on your auction. So you can't do the auction feature unless it is 0.05 ETH or higher. For many, that's that's prevents them from wanting to do it because they don't believe their audience would buy their NFTs from 80 to $100 or more and they want to start lower. So in that case, they can't do the auction style. They have to do either an open edition collection or a scheduled drop where there's a certain amount. So definitely something that you want to think about. The other thing you want to think about is that if this is part of a bigger collection and you're going to gradually dynamically add to it over time, how are you going to do that in two cases? One is how does that, how does that marketplace allow you to add to an existing collection? And then number two, does that marketplace prevent you from adding to that collection in other ways? Now, I will tell you, probably by the time, I would say in a couple months from now, none of the marketplaces are going to exist where they're going to prevent you from adding to it later. Um, I, that was an old school way of thinking. And I will tell you, when I first dropped, uh, it was told to me, Brian, this, this collection, once, once you drop on us on the end of this collection, you can only add to that collection inside of our um, contract. And I was like, oh man, that's gonna be really preventative. Other ones say, once the drop is done, once the live drop is over, you don't get to add any more to that contract. That contract is now considered closed. So you're gonna wanna kind of take that into account. The last thing you wanna take into account is the idea of 
you know, do you want to do gated claims or do you want to provide benefits to your existing holders? I will tell you, I love this part, right? So for me, everything that I launch in the future under the shades of ADHD collection, all of my future shades of ADHD collection will have a time period that will allow those that are existing holders of the shades of ADHD collection to get a discounted buy now price for the first 24, 48 hours, whichever we decide every time. Cause like, I love that idea of like, Hey, if you support me and you want to buy a second piece, a third piece, a 10th piece, I want to give you the ability to have exclusive access to maybe a limited supply, but also kind of a discounted approach to that. Right. And you can do it both ways, right? You can just give someone, Hey, I'm only doing 10 pieces and only existing holders can buy in the first hour or first one hour. They don't get a discount, but they have the chance to buy it. And it could sell out, right? When the public comes out, those 10 can already be bought. So these are all things that you want to factor in. And, and I can guess right about now, you're like, Brian, remember how you said that we might be overwhelmed and we might realize that there's a lot going on? Uh, yeah, I'm overwhelmed and there's a lot. Well, the good news is you can check out the YouTube video that will be posted that we have where you can pause this. You can answer those questions. You can come back to us. The other good news is a lot of these marketplaces have done a great job of creating a dashboard that is easy to use. Now, I will tell you, that is not the norm in Web3. Most UI, UX, which means user interface, user experience, sucks in this space. Think about MetaMask. Think about OpenSea. Oh, my goodness. Just not very intuitive um, natively ways. But I will tell you, most of these marketplaces, and I'm going to share my screen here on YouTube for the YouTube video so you can actually see some of the, the dashboards that you wouldn't be able to see unless you, you have the, the creator access that I do that it's very drag and drop. It'll say, which type is this? Drag it here. And you literally go down kind of like a wizard um, base uh, component. The last thing I wanna hit before I, I kind of talk about each of these different marketplaces to help you actually decide is you also wanna think about this in the sense of future, future additions, right? So just because your first drop is gonna be a one of one, doesn't mean you might not wanna do future drops with more in your collection. Now, one of my artist friends that I really, um, uh, you know, he's a photographer, he's actually been on the podcast. One of the things that they told me was that they didn't want to think about long-term because they believed that their, their community would follow them no matter where they went. Now, if you have that confidence in your community, I think it's a great luxury to have. Now, not everyone has that luxury to where people will buy no matter what marketplace you are on. So these, that's something that you definitely want to you know, calculate when you decide do you want to do multiple copies or do you want to do drops? Uh, and kind of how do you want to bring them uh, to life? So with that being said, let's get into the four marketplaces that I've minted on um, and what their differences are, what their nuances are, and, and why I think you should just think about these and in, um, in, you know, take these things um, into account. Now, the first one I'm going to talk about is Nifty Gateway. Now, when I first heard of Nifty Gateway almost two years ago, um, I looked at it as like, it was the art that was digital art that were legit, like the biggest names in the space. Like I'm talking, and pieces were selling there at 14, 20, 30 ETH. I believe the stat was, um, they did something like, I think they did, I think they did $99 million, something, some crazy millions of dollars um, they actually did 
in their, um, you know, with their actual uh, first couple of years of launching because it was so highly curated. There was only certain people that could actually um, buy or sell um, on their marketplace. And so Nifty Gateway, um, like I, I mentioned, they, they work from a model of you have to be selected as a creator there, or you have to work with someone like myself that is a curator where you can drop on our marketplace. Now, the beauty of that is you might be wondering, how does that work? Well, it gives us all of the functionality, right? So I can actually get, we can drop on the, the marketplace that we've set up, but I can make sure that you get the funds are sent to your wallet. I can make sure that you are listed as the artist and the, and the creator of the, the project. So really what it's allowing us to do is it allows you to kind of come into our, you know, kind of uh, community, but still own your art, still own the experience, still get your payments. You get to pick what your creator fees are. You get to create, uh, you know, create the naming and all of those things that go in there. But I will tell you, Nifty Gateway first is very set up to be a drop-based platform. So for the most part, almost every drop is a scheduled drop multiple days in advance, sometimes weeks or months in advance. Um, and what I show you here on the screen is actually their live drops. So they're the drops that right now are currently live. And what I mean by that is some drops will say after 24 hours, however many are sold are sold. Some will say that stop the, the, the drop at this point and then increase the price to this point, right? So it's, it's only available at, at a limited edition uh, price in that side. And, and then they also have what they considered featured upcoming drops, or you know, pending drops that are in the works. So you can actually see some of the scheduled drops um, that exist. So Nifty does a great way, great job of promoting pretty much all of their creators or their curators on their upcoming drops. Now, this is nice because it's on their page. Now, the question becomes, if someone's not coming to Nifty Gateway, how do they know about these things, right? So it's up to you to market, right? Email newsletter, posting on social, doing a countdown, posting into a Discord, you know, putting Instagram stories out. So that's one of the things that you're going to want to uh, kind of factor in. The other thing that you're going to want to factor in is kind of the, the secondary market component, right? I mentioned that earlier as a, a very important component here. One of the things that Nifty Gateway does really well is they have a, a secondary market much like a traditional open sea would look like for many people in the PFP world, but it, it actually shows all of them that are listed. So it's actually a, a good marketing tactic, right? If actually, if someone's selling my art that I dropped on Nifty Gateway, it actually markets my collection because it puts my collection in that feed. So real quick, I'm gonna, you know, the, the idea of this uh, storefront is, is actually really nice, right? So we have a custom storefront that we're actually able to manage and you can actually see uh, you know, what is our, how much we've actually sold, how many pieces we've done there. Um, you can actually see all the different kind of like nuanced, um, you know, components. You can see some of the history. But I will tell you one of the things that I mentioned earlier, on Nifty Gateway, you can actually follow, not only can you follow uh, an artist, but you can actually follow a, a, a curator, right? And I think this is a massive advantage for, for like those that want to that launch with us. Right, because you're not only going to be able to promote it on your social and and get it listed on that featured marketplace side, but you're actually able for anyone that's that's following our marketplace, they're going to get notified via email when we have a when we schedule a new drop and, and get notified. So that's kind of another um, you know kind of nice advantage. And I will tell you, like they they've done a really good job of of really making uh, you know I think Nifty has done the best of the best when it comes to. Uh, the way that the the you know you kind of bring your collections to life, uh, you know how that whole all kind of goes together, and, and I will tell you even 
the different pieces, the way that people can actually look at the different pieces, see how many there were, um, see what the price are. But I will tell you, one of Nifty's magic secret weapons, and I mentioned earlier that this is the secret weapon or the weapon that Nifty Gateway provides that I undervalued or underestimated, was that Nifty Gateway allows people to buy and sell NFTs with fiat or cash or credit card. But here's the caveat and why it's even better than just the fact that you can buy it with crypto very easily with your MetaMask, or you can buy it with your credit card, but guess what else? You can sell it that way, but guess what else? If you want to export it to your MetaMask and be able to sell it on OpenSea, it's one button, super simple. I've done it 25 times and it allows you to kind of port it out of Nifty Gateway and if you decide, oh, I don't want to sell it there, I want to bring it back to Nifty Gateway and sell it, you could actually import it back in, extremely simple. So what I didn't realize was that many people who bought some of my original art that we dropped um, you know, back in uh, August, October, or August, September um, timeframe, most of them or a, a percentage of them don't have a MetaMask, don't have a crypto exchange. And they told me, Brian, this is gonna be my first NFT. I love that I can just go create an account on Nifty Gateway, put in my email, connect my credit card and buy your art. And so I mentioned somebody on my Facebook told me today, they said, Brian, I want to buy a couple of your pieces in your AI 365 collection, but I can't figure out how to do it like I did on Nifty Gateway. And this is where I had to say, oh, unfortunately foundation, the marketplace that I have that collection on does not support credit card or fiat transactions. You must have a MetaMask or a Coinbase wallet or a Rainbow wallet, and you have to buy it with crypto. Now, for some people that, that won't matter to their audience, for me, I now realized, oh man, that's a very big limiter on, on how we make that kind of possible. So think about that, take that into account, right? There are other marketplaces, which is the next one I'm gonna talk about, Known Origin. Now, what's nice with Known Origin is Known Origin also allows you to buy or sell NFTs with both crypto as well as having fiat. But I do have a couple more steps where you actually have to um, do one of your know the customers, right? So it's a, you have to KYC, which just means you have to, you have to submit your driver's license before you can uh, buy and sell. I kind of like that they have that kind of parameter there. But one of the things with Known Origin, right? This is the, the second... Uh, the next place that I want to talk about that I also dropped um, one of my collections on is that I love Known Origin as a personal uh, consumer. I have bought more art on Known Origin than I have any other platform. Funny enough, it's not the top five marketplaces for traffic, not the top five for art that is out there, right? It actually has a smaller amount of active artists um, on their platform, maybe even than I had realized. But I love like the I love the layout. I like the ease of understanding what to buy, what to sell. I also really like their trending artist page. So you can actually go onto their, um, their uh, actual community page and you can go over to trending and you can actually see who are the current artists that are trending in the last 24 hours, which means uh, you know, for them, they do the, the trending. Uh, I believe it says it down here. Uh, the analytics are from uh, the 14 day period based on total number of sales. So it's not amount of money made, it's just total number of pieces sold. The other thing I like about Known Origin is that they don't put a, a bottom on how much you can list your NFTs for. So from a price perspective, if you're someone that's like, you know what, I just wanna list mine for 
$20 or $30 um, and get my art in more people's hands. You can do that here on, on, on uh, known, origin, very, known origin very easily. It's actually a, a beautiful uh, kind of byproduct of it. The other thing that I like about known origin is that you know, creating your what, what would be referred to as a collection is very easy to do. And it allows you to dynamically add to that collection over time. So I will tell you, when I first dropped the Shades of ADHD collection, which uh, I'm showing here on screen for those that are on, on the video, I just had these four pieces. So I dropped four pieces all at once. All of them, actually, funny enough, all of them originally were one of 40. And then I realized that I didn't want to do that many of all of them. So I shrunk, I actually burned down to 11 of three of the, the collections. And I left one to have more in the supply. And I, and I can talk about strategy of that uh, at a later period. But these were the four that I added to the Shades of ADHD collection. But what my plan is with this collection, and I will tell you this is uh, ongoing, is that I will continue to drop more pieces here because this is my like life's work mission of how do I remove the bias and stigma around ADHD? I believe using NFTs, art, using the descriptions to educate, inspire, make people feel less alone is what this collection was built for. But I wanna be able to add to it over time so where it's all under this one collection for people to see. Now that might sound like it's a massive benefit, the, the downside to this, and this is going away very soon, so kudos to, Nip, to Known Origin for adapting, is that on OpenSea, there isn't one collection for people to kind of go see my Shades of ADHD collection. Because Known Origin, they're all launched onto the blockchain under kind of the Known Origin contract. But inside of Known Origin, I create kind of that Web 2.0 wrapper, which is their collection. Now, they just announced last, uh, last week that they are actually adding a new feature, which I signed up for beta, and I'll be talking about more probably next month, um, that you can actually now launch your own and own your own contract so that you can not only continue to use the known origin features and functions, but you can do so and create the collections that will exist on something like OpenSea and other marketplaces that are out there. So kudos to known origin uh, for making that happen. The other thing I wanted to show real quickly, just from a, a, a known origin uh, perspective, you know, I, I mentioned you know, like, hey, their, their UI is very simple. Uh, you don't have to think too much to kind of make it all work. I just want to show you kind of a real quickly, and, I, and I'll kind of walk those through it, um, that, you know, on the back end, and uh, I'm going to move my, you know, my MetaMask. Oh, it doesn't matter. My MetaMask is just, I just got to sign uh, my transaction here. But what they actually allow you to do on known origin is you can actually set up what you want to, what kind of drop you want. Do you want to do create your own drops with NFTs, images, videos, 3D, and uh, 360 graphics? Well, you're going to use an ERC721 token. Do you want to collaborate? Do you want to create a contract that allows you to collaborate with other artists and split funds, right? So you're going to do a, a kind of a bigger drop, but you want to make sure that if this artist is contributing or you've commissioned this piece, that they get their pie, you can actually do that inside of the, the known origin portal. Or, which is a known origin only functionality, I believe, is this enhanced feature where you can actually create a, a contract that embeds other NFTs inside of one piece of art. So this is what we, we referred to as an ERC-998 uh, contract. And I will tell you, I've spent more time dealing with an ERC-998 contract that you might want to believe because we're working with that contract to launch our upcoming Mint 365 collection, our Mosaic. Uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of explain that down the road. But I wanted to kind of just, you know, explain like that, these different options um, that Known Origin kind of fires up for you um, when you're dropping a collection there. And, and, and the beautiful thing about this is you can kind of test them out 
all of the marketplaces, I believe, have done a really good job uh, of kind of making it very wizard-like, where like once you click what type you want, it says, do you want an image, a video, a 3D, or a 360? You hit select, you upload it, right? Then it goes to the next page and says, do you want to name your collection? What is the description? How do you want to list your collection? And it kind of goes um, you know, forward like that. So I just want to kind of give you a little bit of taste and understanding uh, of that side. Third one I want to talk about was the foundation. Foundation um, is the marketplace that I currently dropped my AI 365 pieces on, right? So this is the one I mentioned that they, they don't allow purchases with fiat, right? So you can't buy these with USD. You have to buy them with, um, with crypto. But what I really love about this is that I own my contract. I also own my collection. So there is, on if you went to, um, to OpenSea and you just searched AI365, you would actually be able to discover my collection that is there, just like you would on Foundation. People can buy and sell their, their pieces um, there as well, very simply. The other thing I liked, um, and, and I mentioned this earlier, was that you also gives you different options for how you sell the NFTs. I mentioned the, the importance of that. So for me, what I'm doing in, in our collection for AI365 is every day I'm adding a new piece, but they're all one of one pieces that are currently listed for auction. So I list them for auction at 0 0.093. So when you go on there to buy it, you just click, hey, I want that piece and you start the auction. Now, they don't give you a lot of um, customization around this component. My options for this is as soon as someone starts the auction, that auction goes for 24 hours. Now, I will tell you, I kind of wanted more parameters, right? I want, I want to be able to customize that because maybe I want the auction to go longer. Maybe I want it to go shorter. Maybe I want to be able to, you know, kind of change the way um, kind of notifications work or, or how that um, kind of comes to life. But what is nice is, and the one I'm showing you here online is actually someone, someone actually just made a bid on this piece this morning, right? So this is the, the transparency, a window to our soul uh, piece. And so they, you can actually see that the auction ends in 18 hours and 38 minutes. Now, the other thing that, that Foundation does really well is that people can follow you as a creator. So they can actually hit that follow button and follow you and get an email every time a new piece is added or every time an auction is started. The other part from an artist's perspective is it's very easy to upload and to look at what your kind of options are. And you can also change your options, right? So if you decide to do an auction and no one actually bids on the auction over a certain period of time, you can cancel the auction and just list it for a single price bid, right? So someone can buy it um, from a single price, uh, which I think is you know kind of really handy and nice for the way that they um, they actually kind of make all of that happen. I will also say Foundation does a, a a great job of allowing you kind of to understand the different ways. And so much like Nifty Gateway, you can do drops. Much like Known Origin, you can check out their trending artists that 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 exist. And much like a lot of the other um, you know all of these marketplaces. You can browse what's currently for sale, what's currently listed. So Foundation has it has a, a fairly large audience. Now that is actually kind of the downside, in my view, is that it's actually hard to stand out a little bit um, on Foundation. But if you can get people to hit the follow button on your artist page, well, now you're one step closer because now you don't care if you stand out. You know that someone's going to get emailed each time your collection is listed. Now I will tell you, I went and followed about 95 artists that I support, that I like, uh, I didn't anticipate all of the emails that I get. I get emailed every time they list one for sale, every time they change one for sale. So I kind of wish there were some ways for me to customize my notifications because I don't want to get notified every time uh, a new piece is, the, the sale price is changed, but I would like to get an, uh, a notification every time 
one is a new one is listed, uh, you know, out of the box. But you know, that that's just one of those things that like you know are kind of nuanced um, in their different pieces. The last thing about foundation um, that I do like that I mentioned earlier as a uh, important vehicle, important um, reason is that foundation also allows me the ability because I own the contract, because I own uh, the pieces, they do take a percentage and I didn't mention that, but all of these marketplaces are gonna take a percentage uh, of what you sell. None of them charge you upfront, um, at least none of them that I know of uh, charge you upfront. It's actually when you sell, they, they get this percentage automatically based on um, sale. Some of them have a higher first percentage and then they take nothing on secondary. Some of them have a lower first percentage and take more on secondary. My personal thing is none of them take too much in a way or none of them, the way that they do their, their fees is like so much better than the other. So the fee structure has not been something that attracted me or detracted me from um, any of the different marketplaces that are out there. The last thing I'll say about um, foundation that I think is, is valuable to kind of think about or um, to know is that it, because I'm doing one of ones, right? I'm doing one of one pieces here. One of the things that I also like that foundation kind of uh, allows me as a, um, as a you know, creator of NFTs uh, to think about is it also allows me to combine um, kind of different you know, um, aspects uh, of NFTs, but it's very limiting on other things, right? So I can't gate my NFTs here, right? So I can't gate which ones people are buying or selling. Um, I can't do a, a limited time offer for only those that are already holding mine, right? So there are some of those, but I will tell you, they're also innovating. They have a new feature called Worlds that I'm actually um, gonna be doing one of the first world drops um, with another artist. Um, I was asked by another artist to drop one of my, you know, he's gonna commission one of my pieces uh, to drop in his world, which is just kind of like a, a way to bring a bunch of artists together and each artist makes their own money, but they're kind of themed um, all together, which I think is a really uh, a cool way of doing it. I also know Foundation also has a couple other updates they recently promoted that they're going to give you a little bit more control of some of the back end um, where, you know, known origin is letting me pick the type of contract, pick the type of art uh, of components in Foundation is a little bit more uh, controlled. So that can be a, a blessing or, or a curse, depending um, on what you love. The fourth one, and funny enough, the most complex or the least wizard-like, least, I would say, beginner-focused is manifold.xyz. Now, I've been talking about manifold.xyz for well over a year. It, to me, is the, is the number one smart contract on Ethereum uh, creation place that is um, reliable, that is, that is easy to use in the, in the scale of creating your own smart contract, right? If you're not a Solidity programmer, and you don't have developers in your back pockets. I actually believe most people, if you read the documentation, you watch um, you know, some of the videos that are here, but what Manifold does, it actually, it, it allows you to create the contracts and you own them up completely. But it also has a test net, so you can actually test when you're, when you're launching your NFTs, your, your different ones. You can test out different styles, like how would the art look if it's a, if it's a nine by 16 versus the art look if it's a four by five uh, you know, size format. How would it look like if, you know, what would, what's the price point going to look like? So this is very, like, I would, I would think of it this way. This is more WordPress style of launching an NFT. The ones I spoke about, the other marketplaces are more like Wix, more like Squarespace, more like a lot of the wizards that most of us use for website creation, where, hey, anyone can get in and code HTML and learn about the nuances of, of WordPress. But 
you could also just use a wizard and kind of simplify that, right? And it comes with some blessings um, that and some neat things that are there is because it's kind of open source, they allow other people to build apps on top of the Manifold uh, backend. So just because Manifold doesn't have a claim page where you can have people claim it, someone actually created, uh, actually claim page is what uh, Manifold created. But uh, one of the ones that I used um, recently, which was the, um, the curate one, right? So you can curate your own gallery page uh, if you want to do that. It's so like, hey, I want my art to be everywhere, but I want to control my own gallery page. Well, you can use one of the apps that was created one of, by one of their provi uh, provided developers, and it's all natively right here in their, their backend system. So it's actually really neat the way they have it set up. The other thing that's cool is they also launched their own marketplace. Now, I will tell you, when I chose them to launch the soccer NFTs AI art that I launched uh, during the World Cup, the marketplace didn't exist yet. But what is really interesting is the marketplace is very new, right? So the marketplace um, has yet to kind of, I, I think, take on um, you know, a large following. But what is cool is all of the artists that are, are primarily using Manifold, I see them in my Twitter feed celebrating each other. They've almost created their own kind of tight-knit, small community to say, let's support other Manifold launching artists together because we can all kind of celebrate each other. And so if you want to kind of get in on like more of the earlier side of this, because let's, let's be truthful, Manifold has been around for a long time and it is the one, I think it is the best. I think there, there, the competition as far as smart co contract developer is not there. Manifold is the best of the best, but they've also added the, you know, the marketplace. They also add things on a regular basis. They just recently added the, the ability to burn. So you can actually tell people, if you want to buy this current NFT that I have, you must burn one of the other ones that you bought from me, right? So what that does is it gives people that option of like, okay, if I want that one, I have to get rid of ones I have. What it, reason, why would someone do that? Well, it shrinks the supply of the other one. So for those that are holding your original one, there's now less of them. So yours is more valuable. It also makes sure that people really want the art that you have, right? So it's a different, um, it's a different tactic. It's a different sell uh, mechanic that, that is out there. And I will tell you, to me, the best part uh, of Manifold is that you can control everything. You control the contract. You even put your own ASCII in there. So you can decide like, what, what do I want on the back end? How do I want it to be displayed? How do I want my tokens to look like? Where, how do I want to bring them to life? And I will tell you, I, 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 for, for Christmas, or actually I think it was for the, the, the one year celebration of our podcast, uh, I decided to create an AI art piece for each member of our, of our team. Um, and I created two of twos. So everybody got their own two of two art pieces. And the reason I, I did that is I wanted them to give away or sell one of the other pieces, but I made one for each uh, each member of our team. And I didn't want to like, I'm not marketing them for sale, right? I, I created them and I want to airdrop them into their wallet so that they can do with what they wish with them, right? And they could sell them anywhere. So I used Manifold to create those, right? So what was neat was I created all the art, I uploaded it into Manifold and I tested it all out on their test net, test net for free. So I got the test... What does it look like? What does the description look like? How does it look like when someone opens it? What are, what are the different you know, ways that I can kind of, uh, you know, kind of you know, adjust? The other thing it gives me is that because it's built on Manifold and because I have access to the, you know, the contract and as the owner, I can decide if I want to lock the properties, lock the, um, the actual metadata, or I can keep it open and update it. So for like my team, I could actually add things inside of the, of the actual contract. I could actually add properties. I could change some of the things that are back there. It also is really nice because Manifold, if you can see on the screenshot, it's kind of hard to see, but you, it also allows you to view 
how your NFTs look like on OpenSea, on LooksRare, on Rarible, on Jam. Um, and they, they really are, if you want to look at it from a, a decentralized art hub, they are the best. Everything is decentralized in their environment. You own everything. You control everything. The downside of that is it's then up to you to market everything, for you to position everything. And I will tell you, I, my, my very first kind of drop there on Manifold, which was the, the soccer art that I had done, uh, you know, and, I, and actually I, I dropped an, another piece uh, in the PFP side. Um, I, I believe I did it wrong. I, I, I kind of selected uh, the wrong type of contract. I also um, didn't really understand some of the, the nuances of setting up royalties and, and that stuff. But I, I will say the documentation is really good on Manifold and there's just a lot of uh, options out there. So before we wrap this and I give you kind of my things I did wrong part, I just want to give you know, super rare, another platform, that um, I applied, I got accepted. I just waiting to um, you know kind of formalize that um, and drop my first piece there. Super rare is, I mean, it is one of the best. It is one um, you know for a couple of artists that we had on the podcast. When I asked them what link do you want me to include in the show notes, almost every one of them said super rare. So take that for what you will. Like that was the one that they where they wanted to drive people um, for sale uh, for sales. I don't know as much the back end of super rare because. I haven't, I haven't launched my own there, but from everything I've been told and reading through the documentation, uh, very smooth, very easy to kind of drop on, on Super Rare. And guess what? Sometime this year, I'll have pieces on Super Rare, so I'll be able to tell you a little bit more about that. Another one that I wanted to just share was Zora. Now, Zora is, um, you know, I don't want to say it's a new one because the people that are Zora, like super fans, are going to come at me uh, for that. But you know, Zora is new to my radar. It's been on my radar for about six months. But what I've been told was that Zora was like created by artists for artists, kind of like an art blocks type um, scenario. But a lot of it is like Manifold gives you all the decentralized control. But they also have a seasoned marketplace and they really work hard at celebrating existing people. And there's no gatekeeping. Anybody can, you know, can launch their own uh, pieces on Zora. I have bought two pieces on Zora. Um, uh, one of them is in our collection. One of them is in my personal collection. Buying it, super simple, super easy. Connect your wallet, same uh, mechanics as, uh, as everything else. And I will say they do give you the option of creating an auction or doing a buy now price. There's lots of different of those components. So Zora might be a good option for those. I don't want to, you know, remember, these are just my experience and my thoughts, um, you know, as a whole. And of course, if all of this sounds crazy and you're like, well, I just want to get my art out there. You could just go to the biggest, you know, elephant in the room, pun intended, uh, and that is OpenSea. OpenSea has the most traffic. I believe it's now in the top 25 for most trafficked websites in the world. And just so you know, a lot of them are porn websites uh, and the other ones are Google. So like the fact that OpenSea, when I, when I heard OpenSea crack the top 100 last year, I, my mind was blown, right? So the traffic is there. The problem with OpenSea, just like everything else, is like if you list your products on Amazon, yeah, Amazon has the traffic. But how the hell is someone going to find your water bottle that you listed for sale on Amazon? Well, you have to market it. You have to promote it. You have to either work with them to you know, collaborate and bring it to life. But I will tell you, I've dropped NFTs um, on, uh, on their you know, OpenSea backend using their platform. And I will tell you, it's super simple. And uh, they not only is it simple, but it's easy to edit and manage later on. Um, and in, in many ways, it gives you kind of like the, it gives you the, the visual that you would expect, right? If you're in Manifold, you almost feel like you're working in code until it's launched. If you're in OpenSea, it literally you say, create a new item, drag the item in here, give me the name, here's a link, put the description in. What are the properties you wanna create? Oh, you wanna create properties? Here, 
This is the type of property. Here's the name. What I will tell you, and here's my one of my secrets, is that when I'm building or launching my NFTs on other platforms, so when I launched on Nifty, when I launched on Known Origin, and when I launched on Manifold, and I launched on Foundation, I actually had OpenSea, this screen, open on my other monitor. And so I was building it out being like, oh, I have to think about the properties. Do I want to include levels or stats? Um, do I want to create include unlockable content? Now, some of those one contracts don't allow that. Some of them do. You can kind of figure that out um, from a supply chain uh, side. The other thing that's really nice inside of OpenSea is if you want to shrink the fees. So let's say you want to drop a collection, but you want to airdrop it to all the people, but you want them to see it in their OpenSea. And I will tell you, I probably should have done this. Sorry, team. I probably should have dropped my team NFTs on Polygon because it cost me about you know $18. Well, it cost me, it cost me about $10 per uh, two of two NFT and manifold to mint it. And then it cost me about $12 to transfer it um, to their wallet to airdrop it, right? So it ended up costing me like $30 per. If I had minted it on Polygon uh, and use it, you can use Polygon, you know, wherever you can mint an NFT on Polygon, OpenSea is one of them. Um, if I would have done that on Polygon, it probably would have cost me total $5, maybe even $3. So definitely something uh, to factor in. And that's the piece that I didn't mention that I'll loop back on. If you're launching on Manifold, you're paying to mint. You're paying to put the contract out there. If you're launching on the other marketplaces, they're taking a percentage of it so that they get it when you sell it. So there, there is a little bit of a different um, kind of approach to that, right? Because like once I mint through Manifold and I mint the, the art NFTs, I can buy them and sell them and list them forever I want. And the only thing I have to pay is the marketplace fee, like an open C 2.5% fee goes to the buyer, not to me as the seller. Where if I'm selling one on known origin, it costs me nothing. I can add a new piece to known origin today. You know, it costs me a little bit to upload the art, right? There's one gas fee. But then when someone buys it, they take a percentage of the actual fee at time of purchase. So there's a minimal gas fee for the listing of your art. Um, right now for AI365, on average, it's costing me $11 per day to add a new AI, uh, AI art there. So think about that. $11 cost me about $4 to to put it on contract, about six to $7 to list it as an auction um, for, for bid. And that's kind of like my total um, out-of-box costs on foundation. So with all that being said, uh, you got to see, you know, got a, got a good taste of, you know, all of the collections, all the things that uh, kind of I have going on. I'm going to close this by just giving you a couple real quick uh, things that I did wrong. Uh, let's, hold on. The list of things I do wrong are great. So for anyone that's like, man, Brian, you know everything. Man, Brian, here's the truth. I am. I love being curious. I love knowing what I don't know. I love being willing to try things. Like I, I really, really enjoy testing things out and breaking them and coming back and teaching you. And, and I will tell you, that's the part. If I didn't have the teaching component, I would just be like that vigilante that's out there breaking shit and trying stuff that, that is like, what the hell is that guy doing? But for me, if I can mitigate your risk or I can help simplify your first experience by making all my experiences a little bit chaotic, I'm okay with that. And that's just kind of how I roll. So just kind of take that uh, you know, for a grain of salt of how I, I kind of factor that in there. I also personally do all of this myself from the standpoint of bringing these things to life. So you might be wondering, like, where does this all come together on a team? Now, 
Leslie, who you're going to hear, you've heard from on the podcast, you will hear from next week. She has been a rock star at running our curator program with the curator functionality on Nifty Gateway. And then, of course, I have my team, especially with Duffy Cat and Drew, helping me with not only the podcast, but content around the podcast, promotion, and even you know, kind of simplifying some of these, these nuances. But when it comes to creating the art, me. Editing the art, me. Creating the titles, me. Descriptions, me. Pricing, posting, listing, creating the contracts, testing out. And, and it's not because I am saying that because I have an ego. But what I'm saying is a lot of this would probably be easier if you outsource some of it, right? It might be also easier if you don't care about this stuff, you find someone that does care about it, they can kind of help you on it, right? So I do all of it because I want all of this in my head so that I understand. Now I will tell you for future drops and future collections that we use, I probably won't be the one managing every contract. Actually, I know I won't be on one of them. Um, on one of them, I've already worked, with, I've already contacted a developer and said, hey, I wanna bring you into the fold. Yes, I can do my own smart contract. Yes, I can manage my own minting, deal with the metadata. I understand how to do all of that. I also know I don't like it. I also know I don't know what I don't know. And there are some people that know a hell of a lot more than I do. With that being said, some of the mistakes that I made that I wish that, you know, if I had to go back on is, I, is one of them is, you know, the idea of putting out utility or putting out, like, if you own this, you get this. I, for one, I struggle with rejection sensitivity, right? So I often will overcompensate or overprovide value so that I don't feel bad about charging the prices that I charge. And you might be like, oh, Brian, it's so sweet of you to say. Truthfully, it sits my ass in a lot of positions that make it very difficult for me to not only make money, but to scale and to deliver on my promises. And, and I try my very damnedest to deliver on all the promises because I know the trust that you have with me as an audience is so valuable and so important. But with that being said, one of the things you want to think about is, guess what you can do? You can add utility and value for those that buy your art later on. So you don't have to make promises and guarantees from the start. You can say, hey, here's my art. You know, I'm not, I don't have a Discord right now. Um, if you buy the art, it's for the art. But maybe down the road, I'm going to add some, if you own my existing pieces, you'll get a discount. Or maybe I'm going to do a, a, a phone call every Friday. And if you own my piece, it'll be gated and you can get past the gate on the, on the Friday. You don't have to know all of that from the jump. And just remember that if you make that promise, or you put that out there, a lot of people are, are looking at that from the value proposition of when they're buying something. And if they factor that in and then you don't deliver, one of the things that I figured out was they love the art, but they thought they got the art plus something else. When they don't get something else, they have a jaded feeling of that art. So just be, that was something I wish like I really understood was like, you can add some of these other things later on. You don't have to come out of the gate, making all these guarantees and promises, probably that your ass can't cash, but also that really puts you in some, sometimes a difficult spot to scale or to do what you, that you want to do. Another mistake that I made was you know, from a, from a thinking about it from like, what do people care about, right? One of the things that I realized that people care about that, you know, I have a lot of people that want to buy using their credit cards. That wasn't something I thought about, right? If it's a PFP project or, a, you know, a traditional NFT project, I don't think I factor that in as much because most people that are wanting to get into that are willing to learn the exchanges and the credit cards. But there are people, actually, one of the first people that bought my art and hung it up in their house was actually someone that doesn't have a wallet or a crypto. 
they bought it with their credit card and said, Brian, I bought it. The minute I bought it, they, the minute they bought it, they downloaded it, they uploaded it to a Canva place and got it printed because they wanted the art hanging up in their place and holds a really you know close place in my heart. But with that being said, I, if, you, if I'm using a marketplace that does not provide that as an option, it is going to limit my audience or I have to come up with an alternative alternative solution, which I will tell you right now I'm working on with foundation is that there is another site, another place where someone can actually buy my art with their credit card and use that site and get the foundation NFT. I had to do some things with on my back end as far as putting some liquidity up, but there are some options out there, but I need you need to take that into account. You also have to take that into account for where you're marketing your art. I get a lot of traffic from LinkedIn. I get a lot of traffic from Facebook, surprisingly enough, right? I have a very vibrant audience on both of them. I don't remember, I think I have 40,000 people on LinkedIn. I've been posting on LinkedIn once a week since 2014. I love LinkedIn, big fan, huge fan. Uh, a lot of business has been done there. But when I post a link to my art on LinkedIn, I get a lot of clicks, but a majority of them are not gonna be like, oh, I gotta get my crypto there, right? Like a majority of them are probably on their desktop. And if the buy now button says ETH or USD, the likelihood of one of them buying it is probably higher. And I don't know that for a fact yet. I haven't been launching. You know, we're on day uh, 39 or 40 right now at the moment um, of the uh, of the everyday collection. But I will tell you, you know, when I get the six month mark, I'm gonna do some analytics, reverse engineering. And I will bet you that I probably could have sold more in the daily collection if the daily collection was on a marketplace that allowed them to buy it with credit card or fiat. The other thing that um, I, I wanna put out there is that, you know, just because you like, you know, uh, video art doesn't mean your audience is going to value that the same as a standalone, right? The, 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 the piece that I kind of found, you know, as an artist that I'm trying to learn is I have to get over imposter syndrome, but I also have to ask myself, am I creating this art or putting this NFT for sale because I want other people to like it or I want people to buy it? Or am I putting it out there because it's me and hundred percent what I represent? And if they like it, they like it, they can buy it. If not, it's okay. And the truth of the matter is, I don't want starving artists to be starving. So stop doing things that are starving tactics in the starving artist world. If it is best for you to create something that you know people will buy, do that. Because guess what you get to do? When you have that money, you can spend more time creating the shit you like, because you're not gonna care as much about what you're paying the bills because you have that covered. So that, that's another piece of this that, that it's taken me a little bit to kind of figure out that nuanced um, element. And then the last thing I'll share, because I know this is a, a longer episode for sure, but I knew it was going to be a longer episode because we're definitely going um, in depth with all the different things here with all the different marketplaces. The last thing I want to say is, you know, putting art out there is, um, there is this like feeling of, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a magical feeling of, of, of really like allowing your story, what you believe, like the, your visualization and putting it out uh, to others. But I will tell you, in most, if not all cases for me, the story has mattered more than anything else. The story of me as an AI artist, the story of the piece, what inspired me, what motivated me, even the story of how I created it. Went on mid-journey, airdropped it to my iPad, edited it on my iPad, airdropped it back to my computer, put it back into mid-journey, re-rendered it. A lot of people care about some of those nuanced components. And I'm a big transparency guy, right? I, I put a lot of myself out there. I'm very open and honest. I mean, look at this episode, right? <laughs> very honest about my, my approach. But some of the marketplaces and some of the experiences 
they don't they don't highlight that. They don't make it very easy for people to get that experience. And so when someone just goes to my 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 landing page, my my marketplace site, and they click on it, they're not going to understand my path to this, right? They're looking at it and maybe just the art. And so if I if I'm thinking about a big picture now, I will tell you, you know, we have a metaverse for our Mint 365. It's called the you know over on Spatial. I believe having a metaverse to display all of your art across all marketplaces is going to be a must for every artist. Having a website that allows people to see what marketplaces you are on and understand your story in one view, like a portfolio, like a portfolio web 2.0 2D portfolio, I also believe is going to be important. I have not done that, either one of them, for this, for my AI art yet. And I do believe that has been a, a limiting factor in some of them being sold. Now, I'm not going to complain. You know, we've sold now, I mean, how many of the uh, the pieces we have um, of the, so we've sold almost 20 pieces in the daily collection. We sold out of our first 12 over there on Nifty Gateway. We've sold almost um, all of the first four drops of Shades of AHD. I think there's like three or four left in each one of those. So I'm very blessed and I appreciate everybody for buying. And, and I will tell you, if you love this podcast, if you love the content and you're like, man, Brian, how does he have the time to do this? And how, where is he, where does he sleep or where, I will tell you, if you appreciate what I'm doing, buying my AI, AI art is a great way of showing your appreciation of saying like, hey, I value all the time that you put in there. And, and I know that's, it, it, it's kind of awkward for me to say because I'm not great at, at telling myself, but for me, you know, I want to pay the bills. I want to make sure that all these other moving parts are done so I can continue to do these things and teach and inspire and advocate. And the last thing I'll just say is, you know, if you love this, you know, bookmark this YouTube video, share it out on your social when you have a friend or a family member that's thinking about getting into the space, send them this piece because I, I do think it's going to help them, you know, understand the nuances. But I hope more so than anything else, it inspires them to press the damn button. Because the truth of the matter is, I didn't know what I was doing my first AFT, uh, NFT art drop. I didn't know what I was doing the second time when I used the known origin. And I really didn't really know all of the parameters I was doing when I dropped the most recent collection on foundation. But I pressed the damn button. And I'm learning and I'm evolving. And I really hope that I didn't overwhelm you. I, I'm hoping that if you made it this far, you understand, I don't really care what marketplace, it matters more that you get your art out there. And then we can figure out the nuances. But if for those that want to figure out the nuances or you want to maximize some of the marketing and the sales and, and the behind the scenes, this video is for you. So thank you everyone for checking this out. We'll put the links to um, each of the marketplaces that have my art. We'll make sure those are in uh, the show notes that everyone uh, can check out. And as always, you know, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a follow on your favorite uh, social media space. And uh, to quote one of my favorite artists, uh, Ali Sabit, you know, he's, he loves to say, you know, art is the utility and love is the roadmap. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review, like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, 